Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, uh, we got two Hawks games to talk about this week as they resume from their all-star break, and we also kind of finally have some uh, Braves news and just baseball news in general. Um, We haven't talked a ton about the lockout and all that stuff, Um, but there's a Freddie Freeman report earlier um, last week, so we'll get into that and a little bit of the lockout stuff as well. But first, we'll cover these Hawks games, get them out of the way before we talk about Freddie and all of that stuff that's going on. Um, First game of the week of the two was on Thursday against the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. Um, Chicago is pretty good this year. Um, they're currently the number one seed in the uh, in the East, or they were at the time of this game, at least. Um, but the Hawks did drop this game one twelve to one oh eight. Um, a pretty pretty frustrating loss for the Hawks. This was not a game they're supposed to win. They were underdogs coming into it, uh, but um, you know everything that happened at the end of this game really was a. Uh, was very frustrating and a game that the Hawks were up by three points with a minute 30 left and the ball. And that's a game that you win most of the time and the Hawks let this one slip away. Uh, so we'll get into the ins and outs of the game right now. Starting pregame stuff is that John Collins was out again in this game. Um, he was listed as doubtful, which is uh, sort of an upgrade, but it didn't ever see it didn't ever seem like he was actually going to play. So... Nothing uh, shocking there on the injury report. John Collins was out. Um, so now again to the actual game now. And uh, then start off great for the Hawks. The Bulls started the game with a 10-0 run. And, um, yeah, it was just a, a pretty rough start for the Hawks' offense and defense in this one. Uh, DeMar DeRozan was cooking early as he had 16 of the Bulls' 19 points in the first, um, which is pretty just jarring, to say the least. Um, you know, it wasn't an all-around terrible quarter because the Hawks did come back and were only down by five after one. But, you know, DeMar getting 16 of the first 19 points in the game kind of shows that he was just really cooking early. And um, a big reason that the Hawks were able to make their way back into this game in the first quarter was that the rest of the Bulls offense really wasn't. Um, Levine wasn't great. And it was just really just DeMar kind of carrying the offense as he had a, a big first quarter. And the Hawks only led only trailed by five, which is a, a pretty good outcome considering how bad they started. So now 24-19 after one, heading into the second, things did improve, but DeMar continued to torch the Hawks early. He ended up also having 20 of the first 30 Chicago points in this game. Um, and a big part of that was DeAndre Hunter was really struggling on DeRozan in this game, and he also went 0-4 from the field and had three fouls with five left in the second quarter, and after halftime, he actually did not return to this game because he had some kind of illness. I don't know how big, how, how bad that affected his play, but DeAndre was really, really bad in this game. Um, in the little time he played, he really struggled on DeRozan, and you kind of that was kind of apparent of how many points he had early on in this game. Um, but Hawks were only end up being down by two at the half. Um, and they had really bad three-point shooting in this game, which, you know, they are really able to weather the storm because Chicago's offense was not anything super special in this game. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of whatever at that point. Um, Trying to pull up their three-point numbers right now at the half. They were not fantastic at all. They were 2 of 12 in the first half shooting the basketball. Um, 
Clint had 10 points in the first. Bogey had 11. And um, we'll get into him a little bit later. But Trey Young really struggled in this game. He was 1 of 7 in the first half with 8 points and 0 of 2 from 3. So he was pretty bad shooting the ball. And after the first half for the Bulls, DeMar DeRozan had 22 points on 9 of 13 shooting. He was very, very good. Um, and like I said, he was really like their main contributor in this one. Their next leading scorer was Levine, but he only had eight points and on three of seven shooting. He wasn't fantastic by any means, missed all his three-point attempts. But the Bulls' three-point shooting was really bad, too, in the first half. They were two of 14 on their own. Um, and a lot of that was because, you know, DeMar was their main scorer, and he's just not a huge three-point shooter. He's a mid-range guy, and that's what he did. He got that going early. He actually only missed three two-pointers. He went uh, eight for 10, on or eight for 11, rather, on two-pointers in the first half. So that's really where he cooks is in the mid-range, and he really had that shot going early in this game. And uh, he would cool down a little bit in the third quarter, early fourth, but uh, we'll get into it a little bit later. But he really turned things up in, late in the fourth quarter. So we'll start up with the third quarter. Um, like I said, Hunter um, was ruled out after halftime of the illness, so Bogey started the second half with the starters. Um, and then Zach Levine finally kind of gets it going for the Bulls as he has two threes early on and then another one by DeMar DeRozan. Uh, but Kevin Herter then hits a three to give the Hawks their first lead of the game with 6.30 left in the, in the third quarter. But then Ayo DeSomu immediately hits another one and another one after that. So back-to-back threes for Ayo. And just really the Hawks led in the third for just – like a really just like 10 seconds really before they hit those threes and uh, they really retook the lead very quickly. Um, another note with DeAndre Hunter being out was that Kevin Knox actually got some rotation minutes in this game as, as the backup four. Uh, they have been using DeAndre as the backup four while John Collins is out. And uh, now that DeAndre is out, they can't just play Gallinari the entire second half and just not give him any rest. So they end up having to play Kevin Knox and I think he was all right. Um, Nothing crazy. He was he ended up on DeRozan a couple of times and it didn't end particularly well, but that was just kind of the case for anybody tonight, including like DeAndre Hunter, who's the Hawks' best perimeter defender. So I'm not going to fault him too much for that. Um, he also had a good driving finish um, for a layup. Those were the only points he scored in the game, but I thought that he looked fine. I think he he didn't kill the Hawks by any means. So good to see him just at least being competent out there because. Um, he ends up playing against the Raptors, too, for a few rotation minutes, and they uh, looks like they might be using him a little bit more with Collins out. So it's good to see him looking at least decent for the Hawks. So moving on from there, uh, Bogdanovich, at the end of the third quarter, hits a three with one second left to tie the game, heading into the fourth at 82. So a big shot there by Bogey to tie the game at 82, heading into the fourth. And now we'll get into the uh, painful part of this game, which was the fourth quarter. Um, Hawks had a pretty solid quarter all around until the very end and when things just kind of fell apart. We'll get into it right now. Um, it was back and forth early on, but a 13-4 run by the Bulls ended up put them up by eight points with about 5.50 to go. So, yeah, for like the first really like five, five to seven minutes of this fourth quarter, things were just kind of stagnant. Teams were going back and forth, but the Bulls put a run in, and they ended up going up by eight with just under six to go. Um, the Hawks then responded with a 9-0 run with some huge buckets by Gallinari, who was the hot hand in the fourth. Him and uh, Bogdanovich were really the main the main cogs in the fourth quarter, um, but mainly Gallo. He was awesome in, in the fourth, 
and uh, we'll get into him a little bit later, but I think they should have got him the ball more um, later in the game. Um, but moving on from there, uh, Levine hit a – we're, we're moving on to like with 130 left in the fourth. Levine missed a pretty easy layup, and um, that's when the Hawks ended up up by three with the ball like I mentioned earlier. But then they have back-to-back dreadful offensive possessions, and those were from Trey Young as he – Went for a layup, missed it, had a pretty bad mid, mid-range miss too. And then that coincided with five points from DeMar DeRozan that put the Bulls up two points with 15 seconds left. So pretty big swing there. Um, the Hawks actually did get an offensive rebound on that first possession, so they were able to burn some time off the clock, but it didn't matter because they ended up with no points at all. And, um, yeah, when you're up by three, you have the ball with a minute 30 left with a pretty good offense that the Hawks have. I know they weren't firing on all cylinders in this game but um yeah still still a pretty brutal way to go down but they still had a chance in this game uh, 15 seconds left only down by two they have the ball with a chance to tie or go for the lead and they decided to go with the lead um they took the ball out of Trey's hands finally and uh, let Bogdanovich take the final shot pretty much not the final shot but the final shot that actually mattered and um it was a fine look from three um he had Vucevic on him who is a big guy he is a center but it's a shot that Bogdanovich can definitely make. Um, he's made it before, and I'm sure he'll make it many times again. He didn't miss it terribly or anything, but just didn't go in. Bulls get the rebound. And, um, yeah, that was pretty much the game right there. A little bit of fouling and all that stuff, but nothing really important that the Hawks did in, that, in the final uh, few seconds to get themselves back into the game. So, yeah, pretty brutal loss, all things considered. I really think um, – Really think they should have got the ball to Gallo later in the game, especially in those final two possessions that Trey had, where Trey just didn't have in, the, in this game. We'll get to his numbers in a second. Um, but I really think they should have at least gotten the ball to Gallinari or Bogdanovich, one of the two, because they, they were really the hot hands in this game. And uh, they kind of just got away from them and let their try to let their superstar cook, which, I mean, I, I totally get that, but this was just not Trey's game at all. Um, we'll get into his numbers right now. Finished with 14 points. Ten assists. I think he was. I think he was good passing the ball in this game. For what it's worth, he scoring was really bad, but um, passing. I still think he made a lot of good passes. Um, ten assists. I don't think they were, that was a fluky ten assists or anything. I think those were definitely good. Um, got to the line eleven times and um, missed missed three of them. Which the Hawks um, free throws and free throw shooting in this game was actually pretty bad. They were eighteen for twenty seven. That's sixty six point seven percent, which is uh, far below their normal baseline. Uh, but yeah, three of 17 from, uh, the field, oh of five from three and 14 points for Trey. He was not good in this game. Um, one of his worst games of the year, I'd say. And, uh, it's honestly kind of a miracle because if you told me in this game that Hawks are going to lose by four with Trey having a really bad game and DeAndre Hunter playing a really bad first half and not playing again, you know, I'd probably say the Hawks would get blown out, but they only lost by four. So it's not a complete disaster, but you know, when you're up by three, with a minute 30 left with the ball, you need to win that game. And they did not do that. Uh, we'll move on to the guys that were very good in this game. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 27 points, um, had five rebounds, three assists, um, a steal and a block, 11 of 24 shooting, 5 of 12 from three. I thought he was very, very good in this game. Uh, move on to Gallo now. He had 26 points, uh, nine rebounds. 10 of 18 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. He was really, really good in the fourth quarter. 
Um, pretty sure he finished with like 11 points in the fourth. Let me check that real quick. Um, 13 points in the fourth quarter on five of six shooting. And that one got to the line four times in the fourth quarter also, made three of them. So, yeah, he was really good in the fourth. Um, Bogey had seven in the fourth quarter too. They scored 20 of their 26 points in the fourth. So that just kind of hammers down the the point that they should have gotten the ball to those guys more later in the game instead of Trey. Because Trey had zero points in the fourth on 0 of 5 shooting, which is uh, pretty bad. So move on from this game and uh, talk about a more fun one, I'd say, um, on Saturday against the Raptors. Um, you know, this game was probably more important, honestly, to the Hawks, or for me at least. Not I'm sure every game means the same to them at this point, just trying to get a win. But Toronto is a team that is in the vicinity of the Hawks as far as the standings go. So them getting this game, I thought, was very, very important. Um, probably more important than winning the Bulls game. Would have been nice to win them both. But this game, I thought, especially was important to get. And the Hawks got it in a big way. They blew out the Raptors a 127-100 to victory. Um, a game that was pretty close for the first half, but the Hawks just really blew the doors off in the second half, especially the third quarter when they went absolutely crazy on the Raptors. Uh, we'll get into the game right now, starting off in the first quarter, starting off pregame actually, is that Collins was out again for the Hawks, no real surprise there, and also Lou Williams was out for the Hawks also, and uh, as far as the Raptors go, they were, pretty, they were missing a pretty big piece, OG Anonabe was out for them, so Haw the Raptors are not a team with a ton of depth, so that was definitely a pretty big hit for them. Uh, but we'll move on to the game now. As the Hawks start out pretty slow in this game, um, they got down seven to two early, but then they went on a 17 to four total run to go up 19 to 11. Uh, but then the Raptors respond with a 16 to two run to go up 30 to 24. Um, Raptors end up winning the quarter 37 to 32. Hawks defense was pretty bad in the first quarter. Um, as the offense was good, scoring 32 points, that's always good. But giving up 37 is uh, never, never good. Kevin Knox also got minutes as the backup four in the first quarter. Um, like I mentioned earlier, he is going to be getting more um, time playing the four with Collins out and, uh, and all that stuff that's going on with all of that. So move on to the second quarter now. Um... You're going to notice this, is, this was a real game of runs because the Raptors start off the second with an 8-1 run, and that prompts an Atlanta timeout. But then the Hawks get an 18-0 run, um, from, and they end up going down by 12 to up by 6. So a huge swing right there and a huge run for the Hawks as uh, the Raptors didn't score for 6 minutes and 10 seconds during that stretch. Um, so, yeah, just the offense for the Raptors just absolutely cratered which um, obviously is great for Atlanta. And uh, they ended up winning the quarter 34-21, to and they led by eight heading into half, which you know isn't a huge blowout or anything, but um, you're not blowing them out by any means up by eight, but you're in a good spot. And uh, they weren't blowing them out then. They certainly blew it open in uh, the third quarter, but Trey was fantastic in the first half. I, I need to say that before we move on because – you know, I definitely had to get on about that Bulls game because he was bad. He was spectacular against the Raptors. He had 25 points in the first half. He was awesome. Uh, we'll get into his, his final stats later. And some He actually made some NBA history, too, on the, as far as uh, the record books go. We'll get into that later. Um, but start off with the third quarter. The Hawks scored the first seven in the third to go by 15. And uh, Trey had seven points of his own early as the, the Hawks end up going up by 16. The Raptors call a timeout. And um, the Hawks at one point led the third quarter 26-7 to to start it. And um, they led by as many as 29 points in the third. They ended up leading by 32 at one point 
in the fourth quarter. And um, that was just kind of the ball game. The Hawks won the third quarter 38-16, to which is a huge, huge, huge win in the third, obviously. A 22-point uh, deficit for the Raptors in the third quarter alone is just pretty crazy. Um, the Hawks had a huge, like, huge extended run in this game. I'm trying to pull up the exact number right now, but it was... Something I, I forgot to write it down, but it was like a 58 to 17 total run for the Hawks, which is um just absolutely absurd. That is uh just a massive, massive run, and that really just buried the Raptors. And the Hawks ended up winning this game by 27 points. Um, like I said, they led by as many as 32, and um early on in the third, the game was just pretty much over. Um, so we'll get into the uh, player performances now. There's a lot of good ones in this game as the Hawks played very, very well. I think on both sides of the ball, especially um, the defense was pretty bad in the first quarter, but they really, really straightened things out in, uh, in, in the rest of the game. I thought they played very, very well. So we'll get into the numbers now. I'm um, starting with Trey Young, who was spectacular. 41 points, 11 assists, 17 of 24 shooting. Um, only 1 of 4 from 3, but that's whatever when you're just – getting to the right to the rim like he was and just making all your twos like he was very very good stuff from trey and uh, the nba history he made he actually moved up to ninth all time in two separate categories are kind of the same but kind of not he is ninth all time now in 40 point and 10 assist games and he is ninth all time in 30 point and 10 assist games also so top 10 all time in those two categories and he is 23 years old, which is just absurd. He is fantastic, and this was one of his best games of the year. In my opinion, he was plus 37 in this game, which is pretty absurd. Uh, move on to Onyeka Kongwu, who I also think had one of his best games of the year. He was awesome in this one. Um, 17 points in this game with 7 rebounds on perfect 6 of 6 shooting. Got to the line 6 times and made 5 of them, which is always good for a Kongwu. He had 3 blocks, he had a steal, he had an assist, only 1 turnover for him which is great so yeah he played very very well um deandre hunter i thought had a pretty solid bounce back game 14 points four assists four rebounds four of 11 shooting which isn't great but made two of his four threes and i think played pretty well on defense he was plus 33 which was second highest behind trey um Gallinari was not good in this game um, kind of a bad matchup for gallo with the way that the raptors play they're very speedy and um they play kind of small which isn't great for him on defense and um for him to kind of have a big game against the Raptors, he has to shoot the ball well, and he did not do that at all. One of nine from the field, one of six from three, and three points. Not great for him. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich had 14 points on five of 11 shooting, two of six from three. He was good, solid. Um, Herder had 14 points also, solid. Just very solid offensive game for the Hawks overall. Um, they shot 58% from the field. They shot 42% from three. Very, very, very good offensive performance for the Hawks. So... Much-needed win against Toronto. As, like I said, they're, they're somewhat close to them in the standings. That is one of the teams that are trying to hunt down as they try to move up in the in the, in the the standings. And uh, we'll look at the Eastern Conference standings right now as of Monday. Currently, the Hawks are in 10th place by themselves. Um, they were briefly tied with the Wizards, actually, after they lost to the Bulls. And uh, they're actually tied for 9th right now with the uh, <coughs> Hornets. So they're right there at 9th. I don't... I think they're going to surpass the Hornets. The Hornets are playing pretty terrible. They're 2 of 8 in their last 10. So I, I think they um, are going to be able to surpass them completely and put them in their rear view. 
and just grab ninth all by themselves at some point. Um, but as far as the other teams that they're behind, they're two and a half behind the Nets, who have the eight seed, and they're three and a half behind the Raptors, who have the seven seed. And um, right now they are five and a half behind the Celtics, who have the six seed, which getting the six seed isn't impossible, but it's going to be a tall task, especially Boston playing pretty well. I think. You know, more realistic goal is trying to get seven, probably eight is the most realistic for them as you got to hop over a couple teams. But I think um, the Hawks can definitely get that done. They um, they have a pretty favorable schedule. We'll get into their uh, schedule for next week right now as uh see what they got coming up soon this week. I'm trying to pull that up real quick. The Atlanta Hawks. I know they play. They start off this week with Boston on a Tuesday in in Boston. That's a TNT game, so it'll be a nationally televised game for the Hawks. Then they have a game on Thursday against the Bulls. This one's at home. And then on Friday, they play Washington on the road. And those are the three games for the week. So two tough ones to start off with Boston and Chicago. Boston's been playing excellent this year. Or not this year, really, but as of late. And uh, Chicago, we know about them as they just played them on Thursdays. And the Washington game, kind of an important one in some respects because they are the team that is right behind the Hawks in the standing. So that'd be nice to get some distance in between you and Washington, even though I don't think they're a huge threat to catch the Hawks. Um, but, yeah, still a pretty important game there. So uh, that'll do it for the Hawks talk in the, on this episode. And we'll now move on to a little bit of baseball talk, which is the first time in a while that we've had this. But I thought it was a appropriate time to maybe start talking about the lockout a little bit as I'm kind of expecting it to end somewhat soon. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. Um, but the main reason I want to talk about baseball is uh, there was some actual reporting about the Braves and Freddie Freeman by Buster Olney of ESPN. And um, he wrote an article pretty much of the eight things that will happen once the MLB lockout ends. And number one on his list of eight things was that Freddie Freeman will sign quickly. And um, I'll now read you his exact words on Freddie Freeman and what he thinks will happen. Um, he says, The presumption among a lot of rival executives last year was that Freddie Freeman and the Braves would eventually work out a deal. But Freeman was not among the stars who signed a pre-lockout contract even, though the, even after the Braves won the World Series and the franchise operated with the championship glow and cash injection. And that's, that's something we've all known from a long time. But this is kind of like the first official piece of reporting that indicates that Freddie Michael Wiltshire, he says, So the industry view has shifted that there is a growing belief that Freeman will land somewhere outside of Atlanta because of the standoff in his negotiations. The Braves offered him $135 million over five years, sources say, and Freeman is looking for a six-year deal. And there's another quote from an official that talked to him. He says, I think the Braves will move quickly to settle on an alternative and move on to get past the conversation. So, um, a lot of this isn't nothing new. Everybody knows that the Braves didn't sign Freddie for the lockout, and everybody thought the Braves would extend him or sign him, that it was a no-brainer. We will all kind of get past that, but the fact that there's actual reporting that the belief now is that has shifted all the way that Freddie won't sign with the Braves I think is pretty notable. Um, it's the first official reporting that the Braves offered him like the f- official offer that the, has been reported of the five years, $135 million. Um, that's kind of low, in my opinion, the $135 million. I get the five years, but, you know, in my mind, I thought the Braves 
first offer would be five years, 150. That's just kind of been in my head for a while now. So um, it seems that the holdup is the sixth year. So maybe he will settle for that AAV that um, is with the $135 million um, price tag. But yeah, it's not looking good. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say that this is complete gospel and that this is just, um, you know, the complete consensus amongst everybody. Because there is definitely a possibility that this was fed to Buster Olney by Freddie's agent to put some pressure on the Braves. Um, that kind of stuff does happen in the media a lot. Um, agents will do that. They'll feed reporters some stuff like this and uh, to put pressure on Atlanta to, you know, meet Freddie's um, asking price. And because uh, Freddie... I think he does want to stay in Atlanta, but he will go out. Like he's making it very clear that he will go elsewhere for the sixth year or however, however many more dollars it might be. So um, another thing that was mentioned in this report was that um, the Braves could trade for Matt Olson, which has actually been reported on um, that they did. They did more than their due diligence on Matt Olson before the lockout. Um, he also mentions Anthony Rizzo, who is a free agent currently, as another possibility. Um, so those are just some options at first base outside of Freddie that might be available. Um, but yeah, just thought I should uh, bring that up. That it was some actual, actual reporting on Freddie Freeman and the Braves. Um, not not going to make too much out of it, but I do think it was definitely notable. So um, as far as the lockout goes right now, I think currently as I speak, they are meeting. And uh, today is February 28th, and MLB did say that February 28th was the kind of deadline if they wanted the regular season to start on time. So I don't know if that's real or if that's just them, uh, if that was just a tactic by them to get the players to take a take a deal quick so the season will start. I don't know. It might be real. It might not be. I don't. I don't I'm not sure. But um, I think they are speak speaking right now as um, I'm recording this. So you know maybe everything I'm saying right now will uh, be a moot point and they'll come to a deal today. That'd be great. But I'm not expecting it. There was some other reporting yesterday that the conversations yesterday on Sunday went pretty well, um, but it was also said that they are pretty far from a deal also. So, um, yeah, just ready for this to be over and for just the regular baseball stuff to resume. Um, you know, there's still a lot of free agents out there, um, a lot of trades to be made, all kind of stuff like that. Um, so I'm just ready for that to be back, and I'm tired of these boring, stupid uh bargaining negotiations of labor disputes it's just not fun to talk about at all and i hate it and yeah that's pretty much all i have on it so um hopefully next week we can talk about some real baseball stuff and not labor disputes but um that'll be it for this episode if you made it this far listening i really really appreciate it and i will see you in the next one (music) 